0: to start our, our last session together. Just feel the heart open, the expansiveness with that. Something wonderful about the music just, it's like a, it just reaches us in such a touching way. And uh, and lifts us, lifts us up. So that's what we want to be in, a state of mind of openness when we come together like this. Very open and receptive. And like Jeff, we really enjoyed the, uh, the movie, uh, that, that is a classic and so yeah it's brand new for us every time and we seem to go a little deeper down the rabbit hole every time we watch one of these, we call them classic um, metaphysical movies or quantum movies. And so we're just really, really grateful we could share that with you. Go down the rabbit hole together. So we we love collecting your questions, and we also love to work with you and work together when when you have some uh, yeah. some things that get triggered, or perhaps that movie had provided with you with some insights and openings, and you'd like to uh, follow those down, ride the wave of some of those uh, insights even a little deeper today and that's a, a beautiful natural way that comes in a lot of retreats where you just have songs and meditations and movies together and then, uh, and, or even listening to another participant's sharings, it may start to open some things up in your own mind and you can ride those, you can just keep going with those. and and. Uh, that that helps you open up even further. So that's what we'd like to do today. We'd like to really use the time very, very well. And Jason is here. We have Michael standing by. He's down there in the studio where Lilo was in Mexico.
1: <laughs> Beautiful to be with you all again. That was just a lovely song. I was here in the studio with Lilo. So <laughs> The voice is uh, that beautiful voice is vibrating through me. So <laughs> <laughs> right. thank you, thank you, Lilo. Yeah, it feels like a a beautiful day to come together again and. Uh, I don't know, I'm just feeling very joyful in my heart. I, uh, as I was driving up, I was just feeling all this joy. It was just a beautiful sunny day down here in Mexico. And, of course, halfway between La Casa and here, it's only 10-minute drive, there's this huge billboard with Jesus up. That's <laughs> so just a beautiful reminder, such a beautiful symbol just to say, hey, there's my brother. Thank you. What a great symbol. So... <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah. The music is so beautiful you and we feel, so. feel, so feel so honored to have like a have Broadway like singer Broadway voice singer. and opera singer voices opera. And, singer. and angelic voices. voices. Uh, there's just so many beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. Uh, expressions of, of the love that come through, so wow, that's a nice reflection for all of us to uh, have, that, have that coming our way.
2: Yeah, maybe one, one of the things I could say, one since we're thing.
0: probably going to open it up
2: probably to people open. that still were touched with the movie yesterday, is um, we always make a top priority if, top. if you feel, you feel really nervous or you've never spoken thing. before, or your heart is expanding. Like it's it's a symbol that really Jesus wants to speak through you to open up and take those insights deeper. You know, you can indicate that, and we make those the priority, and then. As we go down the list, if there's, yeah, other just kind of more casual thoughts or you could say intellectual questions, there, they can come too. But does anybody feel, really, something's pounding on their heart from yesterday that they wanted to talk about? I see a couple nods, but were you even ready for that right now? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Sometimes with a deep movie like that, it's you. You just have to give yourself a pause and and integrate some of it. But we'll, we'll just take a moment to see if anybody uh, had anything come. We had some expressions, some beautiful expressions at the end of the movie yesterday. But if there's anything that's carried over over the in, from yesterday, uh, yeah, you can raise your hand and we'll go into that.
2: Because I I had a few one-on-ones well Jeff's afterwards and it was we kept using the wife analogy and it was really sweet because one of the questions the lady was asking so yeah i can't tell if it's guidance or if it's the ego so i've shut down listening at all and we went into it a bit i said can you give me the specific and she said well yeah do i sell my house and move into community with you guys it was like this massive question like a whole life-changing thing and and it was like whoa yeah those are important to voice and and get out or yeah, and another lady had just, like a relative had just died or, you know, and so it was like she really needed to speak about that, so, just important. Okay, we have a number of hands up. Okay. Um, the first one that I see is Aman. Go ahead, Aman. Oh, India.
3: Yeah. Uh, I actually raised my hand uh, long before uh, before your questions. Actually, I was ask uh, David uh, regarding this issue of uh, specific um, mm-hmm. that uh, this has been well, the, like, this is one of the issues that I'm facing. Is is like to how do I know what spirits Plan is for me um, because sometimes like for the past two three years since you left, I one thing I knew that I need to sell my business, so I did it, and uh, I all my business ideas and everything. And after that, I like I have been doing things randomly. Like I never felt like, you know, okay, this is what I, I'm. The spirit wanted me to move. so I was just doing things randomly. So I felt like maybe I should go to Ram Maharshi's place. So I stayed there for one year, but it was a very it was not a joyful experience for me. Like even though I was uh, very near to his ashram, and uh, but it was like it was a very difficult time for me the entire. And I three months back I returned to my hometown, and now again I am planning to. I'm thinking, what do I need? To, what is it that I need to do? And I, I have got this business idea a couple of months back. Again, an idea came and uh, I just casually looked into it and I found that like, I have found something that could be worth millions of dollars in, in a very short span of time. And it's an online business idea and uh, it feels like there are synchronicities around the idea. Like I, I'm getting. So much of information and everything. There, there are some synchronicities around it. But at the same time, the moment I started thinking about this idea, suddenly so much of greed and uh, restlessness started coming in me. And I felt like, like oh my god, like this is again taking me back to the same place where I was three years before. The same greed, ambition. Stresslessness, all these things are coming back in me. And so I have no, I am struggling financially because I have no source of earnings. So my father sends me some money with which I, it's enough to take care of my basic needs like my food, clothing, and transportation and uh, house rent, etc. So I, I, this is the thing that they like, uh, that I've been struggling with for so for so many years, like not able to understand what is it that spirit wants me to do? What is his plan? And uh, mm-hmm. I, was listen, I had listened to your story and, and I could see that, that in your case, it was coming so clear. And when I met Kristen and I was talking to her in Mumbai and she was sharing some of her, her, her stories where she was guided so specifically, towards uh, service, to very specific directions. So I felt like, if, like, like unless I have that kind of idea, how do I follow it? Because there is always a chance that I, I might go towards the wrong direction, which I felt I did when I went to a stayed for a year in Raman Maharshi's place, which was which was not a pleasant experience. It was a very bad experience. I got I'm totally addicted to the internet and a lot of things happened. And when I went to meet Christian, that time I knew that I'm absolutely supposed to go and meet her. And there was so much of synchronicity when it that started happening. It was just unbelievable when I, when I went to meet her. And I knew that this is what spirit wants me to do. But it's for, but for most of the time, I'm not able to know. So I just want you, I want your help to, like how can we decipher what is it, what it is, especially specific, big specific decisions. Like I want to know like which direction I need to take my life into because I have left all the businesses for the last three years I'm not working, but I don't know what to do.
0: Thank you, thank you, Aman. Yeah, that, that fits into uh, other questions that people have brought up and written into us that they have been saying uh, there's like a haziness or a stagnation. Sometimes they feel stuck, like they're they're pondering, uh, "Is this is this truly guidance?" And um, or is this truly inspiration? Is this the spirit coming to me, or am I just too paralyzed and afraid of what the spirit's going to tell me that I am kind of going through the motions and treading water and spinning around and uh, Haika uh, has written in to mm-hmm. us about uh, the lessons with going on with her family, which are parallel. I think uh, you speaking up, since I've known you, Amon, um, in in almost most cult- cultures, uh, the family self-concept is extremely strong in the ego's uh, defense against the light. and um, And so just... The entire lifetime is oftentimes dedicated to loosening from the family self-concept. Whether it's its uh, parents and, and taking care of them when they get older, which is more of Heike's case. Or for you, I, I sense that always in talking to you, you have a very uh, successful, kind of enterprising family. And, uh, and your father has... And the family has been very successful in businesses, so there's like a strong expectation for you to to succeed in some business. Maybe they want to support you and say, take your time, uh, try them out. Uh, you know, here's some venture capital and go for it. And we've had talks about uh, different kiosk in malls and chicken ch- chicken kiosk <laughs> in the mall. I remember that was one business that you were working on, and all kinds of. Of ideas, but it's more like, you know, here's some money. We want to we want to make sure you you keep uh, striving to find your successful business, and it's so heavily reinforced in the in the belief system. It's everything that you were raised with, and then there's this deep spiritual call where you go over to uh, Ramana Maharshi's ashram and. And like so many have, gone to Arunachala and to become, to come closer. It's interesting that you did that, because when I was on the, the phone with Kirsten, when she was in Mumbai, she, a friend of mine, had given her some specific instructions on going over there, who to meet, where to go, you know, very specific things. But the more we talked, she was feeling so present and so used right there in Mumbai that I that even the idea of going and visiting the ashram, uh, she was able to kind of do it in her mind, instead of (laughs) physically doing it. So, I think this is a time where this is not unusual when you feel like you're not sure of the motivation, because I I think that some of those underpinnings of the self-concept of the family and the entrepreneur and the businessman That are so strong from the ego have not really been completely washed away, so that's where you're opening to the Holy Spirit and saying, okay, if I'm still to go through this uh, business opportunity, please use it for your purposes to rinse it from my mind. The temptation is to think you know, how much money can I make? Because the, the formula is so strong in there from from your family. How much money can I make? Successful. Hitting it big, if you... That's the ultimate. That's like hitting the jackpot in the ego's terms of self-concept when you have a very successful business that pulls in millions and millions of rupees uh, so you don't have to even work. You You just hire people and the whole thing just takes off Uh, and and you're basically just the the owner. And um, so you've had a bit of that playing out kind of when you would go to check on the the chicken kiosk or check on something, uh, you know, it's kind of like a residual income. And in the business model that's like the pinnacle, that's like the top top thing you can go for is have a high residual income uh, and you're very successful and everyone lots of praises and kudos, very, very well. And now you're going for enlightenment, which is focused on communication, using the body as a communication device, not as a getting mechanism. The wealth of the body and the wealth of the person is not a goal. That goal is in conflict with waking up, that you can't use the body as a means for communication and awakening from the dream, and You can't use that simultaneously with the body as an end, uh, where it can receive the the wealths and comforts and conveniences and and pride and prestige of being um, a wealthy person. Those waking up to the Christ and being a wealthy person are two different goals that do move in two different directions. And I've been very clear about this uh, over the decades I've been teaching, because uh, people love to mix the two you know they, they have told me uh, i mean i 've been asked that question many times, can I be a, a CEO, uh, the head of the president of a of a company uh, and be very wealthy and everything and have lots of uh, worldly power and wake up and I said no you you can 't be a CEO and wake up. The Holy Spirit can use that construct to free the mind, but the, the CEO would not be uh, a central uh, operating executive uh, of a company, because that involves profits, and it involves uh, exchange, buying and selling, reciprocity, and it involves management of people, and none of those things ultimately take you towards enlightenment. None of them. Uh, it can be a backdrop in which you start to have have these experiences where you start to see the valueless of those things, then then you start to move towards enlightenment. But you can't really mix uh, the ego's world and the real world or the the forgiven world, the happy dream. They have no meeting point. And Jesus even says the. The real world is not like the world you see. It has no, no streets with artificial lights. It has no uh, stores where people buy endless things that they do not even need and do not want. And go to, to work to do meaningless jobs, to earn money, to go buy more meaningless things. And, and Jesus is poking fun at the whole business system. He's actually poking fun saying, whoa, this is all made up and you've dedicated your life to uh, what Shakespeare called, much ado about nothing. And and then, in Lesson 50 of the workbook, Jesus starts poking fun at actually money. He, he's poking fun, he calls them, uh, uh, you really believe you would starve unless you have piles of, uh, uh, or you have Green paper strips and piles of metal discs. He's he's poking fun now at currency. And then he starts to poke fun at the medical model. He says, you really believe that fluid pushed through a sharpened needle will ward off disease. Oh boy, he's going to have fun with the whole thing. He's poking fun at the whole human condition saying, you have been hoodwinked. You have been duped. You have been fooled, you have been deceived into believing you're a human being with a flesh body, and you have to pursue all these things for the survival of this flesh body. And meanwhile, you have ignored and avoided, be still. Be still and know that I am God. You've avoided the meditation, you've avoided bringing everything back to your mind, you've avoided exposing the unconscious mind, and you've got so far distracted into just basically a make-believe, fictitious story. So I'm glad you're bringing this up, Amon, because Amon, because you're doing this for the whole universe, and and your cultural heritage is, is India. I remember weeks ago when I was talking to Kirsten and she was saying, well, I have been invited to Mumbai, India, but I'm not sure if I should go there and everything. And I said, well, India, what, I mean the traditions of the the Vedas, the traditions of non-duality, the mystics, the saints, the, the generations, the hundreds, even thousands of years of generations of those that have devoted themselves to spirit, and to laying aside the body and the world, I said, yeah you wouldn't want to, if you get a free pass to uh, India you don't want to pass that up because it's it's a, a a beautiful undoing too of of thinking you can control anything. I think even more so than mexico, you know if you if you really want to accelerate your spiritual journey and somebody offers you a ticket to India, go by all means because you'll be out of your ego comfort zone. As soon as the plane lands, and as soon as you go out there and and face your first rickshaw, and your first goat in the road, and and whatever, it's 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 not a controlled environment to say the least. And and Aman, you're bringing this to the forefront for, for us now, even mentioning Ramana Maharshi's name in the sense that the contrast between what we call the civilized world of the of of concepts, bigger, better, faster, more, entrepreneurialism, capitalism, uh, gaining wealth, gaining properties, gaining, accumulating a a self-concept that was made to defend against the love of God, you're bringing it right into our forefront uh, today. So that is your, your gift. In terms of specific guidance, I think that's another one I know there was a, one on one, did you? Were you part of the one on ones I'm on yesterday? No, oh, not with no. I don't know if somebody was able to talk to you, but in terms of the guidance, it still could be that the spirit will will guide you to a business not to make a lot of money, uh, not to achieve uh, a, a sense of status or wealth, but actually will will use those skills and abilities that you have to humble you, to bring you back into a place of seeing that the Spirit can use anything and can bring you into this divine providence, this beautiful divine experience of being perfectly taken care of, cared for, using the symbols of of the business model, the business world, for a while until you no longer need it. So it's kind of like, um, it's almost like to use the metaphor of like, if you were going to take a stick of butter and melt it in a microwave, and then you call me up on the phone and you say, David, how many seconds or minutes uh, do I need to leave the stick of butter in the microwave on high? And, and I could get into an analytical thing and say, did you get it from the freezer or the refrigerator? <laughs> Uh, and and how how many watts does the microwave uh, have, and all this and that. But I would tell you no. Microwaves have a little tinted glass window. I would just say put the butter in the microwave and give it some seconds, and then just watch. And do not, if you want liquid butter, then keep applying the heat until the stick of butter goes liquid. I wouldn't give you a prescription for it, I would just say, just watch that stick of butter. And as soon as that butter is liquid and you've reached that point where it's melted away, and incidentally that stick of butter is this, is your self-concept with, with your family and business. In case you want to say, what the heck is David talking about butter? He shows us a movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and now he's talking about butter in microwave. No, that, that stick of butter is your family self-concept and Aman in that family and also that, that business self-concept that's an entrepreneurial uh, concept to try to, to make a lot of money. And then eventually, uh, it, may take, it may even take a, a minute or two, but uh, whatever it seems to take, you'll know by, by observing uh, when that concept has gone liquid. And once it goes liquid, then you're freed up from it. You're free to be used in, in much broader ways by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Okay, thank you, Aman. I hope that helps.
2: Maybe I could speak to Heike's yeah. question because I feel it ties in actually with, uh, with Amon's because it's, a, it's again about specifics. I could just read a few lines here. For some time now, I've been faced with a seeming situation that I perceive is very difficult. My father has dementia and my mother is increasingly unable to cope. An emotional drama is unfolding with a lot of hurt, pain, fear, anger, frustration, and helplessness. They keep pushing each other's buttons, resulting in conflict and tears with my mother projecting it onto her body. She pleads with me to visit more often and would like to see me move in with them again to support her how many when they heard that line felt, <laughs> or how many felt, yay. <laughs> so th- this, is, this is how we do it. You pay attention to the lines and what you feel when you're reading. So Haika, you might even know how you felt when I read that line back to you. She's terrified of the future. They mirror back to me almost the entire ego thought system and I feel overwhelmed by the sheer scale of my forgiveness task. So now here's the key line to me. I've been praying to be unwound from the good daughter role. But of course I find myself pulled deeply into the drama, feeling personally responsible for them, their state of mind and for practical things like ensuring the bills get paid. I've been praying for guidance, but I'm afraid spirit could ask me to drop them a thought that breaks my heart. So I think that's, that's the conflict right there is that you feel personally responsible and you know the whole course is about undoing that responsibility and yet, you're praying for guidance, and yet, you don't want to hear drop them, although you know that if you could truly drop them deeply, you would actually include them and let, let them go in terms of personal responsibility. So, so to me, this is always just like a, a question of, of getting, can you be willing, but you look like you might have some more to add, so go ahead.
4: Thank you. Uh, hello everybody. Um, yeah, I'd like to, to add something. It I is easier that I, of course, know that this is fiction and I have, you know, the metaphysical knowledge, and I know also the, what you just said on, inside of me, that this is, you know, if, if I really... Uh, went down this road, if I really decided to, to you know, detach, or even to leave them, I don't know, the thing would be working out fine and so. Um, and I always, already, I mean, already a miracle happened, or something that I actually uh, regard as one, is uh, against all art, uh, in, in October, uh, my nephew, who turned 18, and, uh, he, um, uh, he, uh, and uh, I mean, it was a what in a million chance, really, but he, for some reason, he got a, a study at, at college, very close to my parents, and actually what happened is he moved in with them, uh, now to study, and I, I thought, oh my God, thank you. This is, I, I thought this is a sign maybe from spirit to... To, to say, okay, relax, you know, your parents are taken care of. It, is, it was a huge help for me to know that someone is there at least, you know, to help, uh, to help um, uh, with some tasks at least, so it doesn't have to wait till I visit. And and you, you asked at the beginning, at the first evening, okay, what, what is holding you back really, you know, yourself over, and this is actually thing that holds me back I believe, and I can relate to Aman as well, because uh, I have the same question, I have given up my job also and I, you know, and I'm wondering <laughs> next, and always this situation is like you know, what, what is in there, I do not perceive guidance as well I, I, I don't know you know, and, but what? Spirit wants to use me for, or whether <laughs> it can be combined. Of course, this, I have these thoughts as well. You know that he is taking care of my parents through me, or something like this. And uh, and yeah, I just this sort of, of had yeah, to face the um, yeah all the guilt and fear of abandonment and all this I guess. And, and so far, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm not. I'm just not ready. Uh, to do that, and um, uh, yeah, to, to nice. let's say, to may, maybe spirit's so plan is that I move somewhere else, way abroad or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, could I face doing this? You know, just abandon and I think I, could, I just couldn't. Um, another thing, maybe I can I can do this year. Actually, I had a wonderful one yesterday. It was very cool. It was very comfortable. And I'm very grateful for this. And um, uh, the other thing is that I also wrote uh, and I'd like to share this now because maybe some others can find this out there. I've been this across of miracles quite um quite the last few years. I just now I'm I'm realising okay, i basically I've been spinning my wheels. I have you know, I have trying to make myself up and I'm trying to I've tried to, to Teach myself what I don't know, and um, always keeping the emotional thing. You know, moving through the emotions. to truly really, I always wonder why I'm not experiencing really what uh, the course is pointing to. And um, now it's coming up now, and I have I feel somehow I have to start all over again. And that's why I feel I feel overwhelmed. So, you know, this forgiveness task and how to really truly forgive, how to hand something over to the Holy Spirit. How I, I do, usually don't experience that it's taken away, keep it, which means I don't let it go anywhere. Really, right? And so this is, uh, yeah, at the moment I feel in limbo, with what is this,
0: yeah, well, it's beautiful. I, I can tell you. Uh, the Spirit always is cheering you on. Even the time I, when you came all the way over to Mexico uh, to our La Casa de Milagros, you know that was a huge leap for you to uh, to come and leave your environment over there in, in Germany and to, and to come all this way and, to, and just showing your willingness, like please take me into the experience. And uh, I have to say too that that what I really learned from the Course early on, it was about bringing the illusions in the mind to the truth, not trying to bring the truth into the illusion. Uh, the ego will attempt a, a pathway with the Course of bringing the truth into the illusions, and it does this in a number of ways. Uh, what it will do is it will it will try to uh, uh, the, the Spirit's teachings are about expansion and letting go of all your thoughts and beliefs and, and misperceptions and freeing the mind and the egos can't have that. It, it needs the mind to be imprisoned for it to seem to exist. So it tries to, it will do the workshop tour or the... Uh, it will try to intellectualize the Course as if Heike... The family, the job, or whatever the the country, they stay s- solid and 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 sustained. And then you can bring course in miracle. It's all right. Okay, we'll let a book into Germany. It's all right. We'll let the book in there, but it's not going to touch mom and dad. It's not going to touch Heike. It's not going to touch you know anything like that. It's just going to be a book that Heike reads and Heike practices. When actually the course is aimed it's just a, some words that are aimed to take you into prayer, to take you into self inquiry, take you deeply into the mind, to question everything that you believe and and even your trip over to Mexico, I think was a was a big step, a very bold step for you and for those of us that become miracle workers uh, we if we're really Uh, sincere, we do discover that you cannot bring the truth into the illusion. I still hear Course students and teachers talking about bringing the Course into their business and bringing the Course into their partnership and their family and so on and so forth, not really realizing that's that's going against the core teachings of A Course in Miracles. And you can't bring the Course into politics and you can't bring the Course into into business and so on and so forth. Those are just symbols that the Holy Spirit can use to rapidly unwind the mind from this false uh, body-person self-concept and and of course the entire projected world is part of that self-concept too. It's not like you just have to eliminate a personality like the movie yesterday where they started running through the the terminal and they start to disappear. Uh, It's it's really uh, you have to really take a look at that. And also I feel like that's where the it's kind of like where the rubber meets the road where you really, where the pedal hits the, the metal, is, is when you start to, to look at that sincerely and say well, I, I need to start to focus more on my calling, on my function, on my purpose because if I'm still looking at what I have to drop, what I have to give up, uh, i 'm going to be steeped in guilt if I'm, if i 'm just looking at it, you know it 's like is the glass half empty or half full if i'm if i 'm just stuck in one mode of looking oh i don 't want to drop this i don 't want i don 't want to let go of this i don 't want to do this then of course there 's fear of the Holy Spirit because at some level there 's an awareness that the Holy Spirit is this beautiful light that will shine these things away as soon as I give these concepts and beliefs over to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not like the sentinels in Matrix on some kind of search and destroy mission with some kind of machines that are going to come and they're going to eat mom and dad up and and eat Heika up and eat Germany up and, and everything like this. It's just not the way the Holy Spirit works. It's like those are just concepts that God did not create, that are make-believe, that have to be brought to the light, and then they softly disappear. They they dissolve away as we even come close, as we bring them close to the light. As we voluntarily don't protect them anymore, then they get shown away in the light. and And in fact, I would even use the words, they've already been shown away, because... The Holy Spirit answered the entire cosmos of time and space the instant it seemed to arise. That's how quick the Holy Spirit handled the problem the seeming problem. One instant. Now that's pretty quick. That shows you that if God offers an answer, it's not going to be a long struggle. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be an instant. It took it took one instant to to negate or to dissolve away the tiny puff of a mad idea of separation. Yet, if the mind, the powerful mind believes in that little puff, then it can seem to take a long time because there's so much fear. Like, there's a fear of God's punishment or fear I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have consequences. I can't just believe I've separated from God and go back, and God's all love. Oh, I've always loved you, and, you know, that, that's not the experience of most human beings. So I'm glad, I actually am glad that you and Aman have kind of mm. helped us kick this off today, because, because we're really showing that this deletion of these old roles, responsibilities, and, and uh, conflicts and guilt, will only come as we focus more on our purpose. Because um, when I first went out and I took my first travels, I was away for like five and a half weeks, and I did miss my grandmother, and I did think about my parents, and I did think about the life that I left behind in Cincinnati, Ohio. But the more I got out and was used by Jesus, Jesus was laughing and talking to me, and he said, You really think you're going to have to give up, drop your parents, and drop your grandmother? He said, No, I'm trying to teach you how to include everyone else in. It's like you're not being asked to drop your parents, it's, I'm t- going to teach you how to love all parents in the whole universe in your mind. I'm going to teach you how to include every single parent in the, in the whole universe in, and how to teach you to love them fully uh, as you love your parents. So he was never talking to me about the drop idea. He was saying, I want to show you a purpose that includes everyone into your perception, so you can love them fully and equally and i thought okay i i don't know how you're going to do that i, I think i'm a, i'm a tough nut to crack and i'm a slow learner so i have no idea how you're going to do that but that was 25 years ago those were my thoughts uh you know and now i don't i kind of laugh at the the idea of of dropping because uh, to me it's it's the love is so all inclusive it it doesn't exclude Anything or anyone, it just includes it all in, but it's all in mind, it's not so much in form. Yeah. So thank you. Wow, this is great. It's like a baseball game. The leadoff hitters, Amon and Haika have really got this ball game going here now. We've got the first two runners on base. Who's next? Who's coming to the plate, Jeff? I'd love to say Mighty Casey, but it's not his turn yet. (laughs) Next up is uh,
2: Adriano. Go ahead, Adriano.
5: Hi, everyone. Yeah, I I have to say that uh, I can understand English quite well, but uh, to speak is not mine. It's a little bit difficult. As a child, uh, I could not uh, speak well. And then I decided to, to listen more, think, talk. And uh, I observed this weekend that the issues from, uh, from the people are the same is- issues that I have, On today I come, is uh-huh, aha uh, effect aha? Uh-huh. The mind is the same. Our minds is the same because I have a, also a lot of questions or a lot of uh, issues, and, uh, uh, and the most of them were were answered. And uh, yesterday you said about this. Um, don't. React the um, past, don't organize the present, don't blame the future, and about about this uh, non-duality, right? Yes or no? It's the same, and the one vote uh, on the sh- uh, chat room. Yeah, uh, 40 days, net, right, to do this. In 40 days, we are in Easter. Oh, yeah, it's a, a good idea to do, to do this. Uh, and, uh, but, um, my issue now is I have a, uh, difficult or problem because, uh, um, in this world, yeah, you have to fight, to, uh, to, com- to compar- compare with another, competition, and uh, to be the best one, and I have uh, I used to bring this also in this uh, spiritual path. And I try to unwind this, and I noticed that I came often with, oh, I don't know what, what can I do now, and just uh, trust, and okay, I don't know, and I give to the, to the whole Spirit, and uh, and that's, that's, there are some that um the last uh, six weeks, I, I avoid to, to read the, the book, the, um, the blue book, or to see the uh, much of uh, your codes and YouTube also, because it brings me up, well, a lot of uh, conflict inside me. And, uh, I decide, okay, once a month in this uh, online retreat is, for me, enough. Right? Because I, I can, I, I can, I feel this connection, and I see this kind of community, we grow together, and I can say, ah, okay, the ship, this way right? I, 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 I don't need to uh, correct the course to the ship each day or I know this direction is the, the right one uh, and, uh, yeah and about, the, uh, about the, the movie yesterday that's uh, uh, um, about relationship that's my thing my theme. In this uh, life for me, and uh, you know that I had a, a relationship, and for me, uh, yeah, it's a lot of uh, guilt about uh, special relationship. And for example, I stopped in the uh, a course in miracle book at the chapter seventeen about. Uh, relationship because for me yeah it was too too strong now i i could begin to to read at home and uh, yeah i can say that um what's the best for me is uh online and with it thank you mm-hmm. and
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, Ad- Adriana, we love you because you're, you're so sincere, but you're, you're actually helping deliver a good lesson of readiness that, um, that, that you can't push past your own level of readiness and how important it is for you to feel that connection, because we're never asked to do anything out of a sense of, uh, of sacrifice or a sense of forcing or pushing. So, the gentleness is coming through where, you know, it's like once, one retreat a month is just enough for me, because I feel the love, and I see the smiles, and I feel the connections, and it's, and, and you hear your lesson uh, throughout all the participants. So, it makes it uh, very clear, and that's what I think you meant by, that shows you the direction right there. Uh, it's a very obvious for you, and it's very simple. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that to all of us today, because I know many questions come in when, when there's a sense of, I need to do more, or it, it, it has to go faster, or uh, I, I need to be more dedicated, and you're just offering an answer there. No, uh, you cannot push beyond, beyond your own readiness, and, uh, and pay close attention to that readiness. So, thank you, you've offered a great gift. Mm. Okay, Jeff, the bases are loaded. That's three three in <laughs> a row. <laughs> okay, let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can get a grand slam here.
2: <clears throat> Marguerite, go ahead.
6: Uh, hi, um, that was very um, touching what you just said about uh, not being um that you can't push yourself beyond the readiness um, it really goes together with um the question I have is that my days not 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 much of my old life is um is there anymore, like the job and the um, responsibilities for my child who's 15 now. So, you know, there's still a lot of um, guidance, but not like practical things that I have to do anymore. And ever since my, my job fell away, I was a life coach and I could really step out of my identity and let the Holy Spirit do all the guiding and all the talking during the um, coaching But then as soon as the uh, client would leave, I would go back into the role of Maghrit. And um, for some, well, I know why, but uh, the whole practice has just fallen away. All my daily tours, everything is falling away, falling away. And now my days are just filled with surviving And, um, I call it surviving because there is so much fear coming up and there's so much projection in my, onto the body and the the pain, there's so much pain and so much fear coming up and, um, I try not to push myself, but it's almost like I have nothing else to do throughout the day. And I try and do other things, but being with other people is like really uncomfortable right now. And I I have to in some situations and I do it. And then for like a, a, a small amount of time, I'll be able to just relax. But then the old me will come in. And um, yeah, I'll be identified with myself again. And I'll get so depressed and get so fearful. And when I can't solve that, There will be such rage coming up. So it's been... (laughs) I'm happy I can laugh about it. But it's been... It's been sinking in so deep that most of my days are filled with just listening, praying, praying, listening, listening. And, you know, this constant, you got to do something, you know, you got to do the wash, you got to at least do something. I'm like, I can't, I just... I just got to listen and pray and pray and pray. And it's... ah, It's so intense. And um, I'm so grateful for having Mighty Companions. Um, Because I used to have a group of Mighty Companions, but they've all... You know, I've been doing the course for quite some time. And for some reason, I don't even want to be the victim in this situation, but they've all... Woken up in a sense that they see that this is a dream and they've really stepped into their function. And uh, so, that whole um, how that worked for me, it all fe- that also fell apart. So, there's not much left <laughs> at the moment, and um, except for lying and down and closing my eyes and just connecting the whole time because if I'm not, I'm in so much fear and I'm in so much pain and I've had wonderful, wonderful experiences of truth coming to my mind and seeing things, how they really are and yeah, miracles showing up but um, I guess my, what I would love to, it, it really, everything that's been said before goes together with what I'm saying now, with the parents, with the jobs, uh, with Aman, what he said, you know, the responsibility, all those things. But it seems like at the moment everything is crashing down and I'm trying not to be in a panic the whole time because I know somewhere inside, I know this is exactly the right way and this is, you know, there's not something going wrong. But most of the times, I have to honestly say, I do feel that things are going wrong.
7: Yeah,
0: yeah.
6: so, if thank there's something...
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing yeah. that, because that's the thing, um, you know, sometimes I say, we we seem to come to this world, but we, we don't really have like an owner's manual, like at least when you buy a refrigerator, or a washer, dryer, or a car, you at least get an owner's manual, but so, we, we seem to come to time and space with no owner's manual. Uh, we don't have a clue of why we're here, what it's all about. You know, we, we're, we're, as children we're just looking at our parents, uh, maybe sometimes hoping if it's going to come through, or it's going to get better, or that we're going to be loved and provided for. But, um, A Course in Miracles talks about below the surface of the mind, Jesus says, "There's a ring of fear, and we all sooner or later drop down under the surface, uh, under the distractions." And and thank you for your dedication with the course for all these years of of taking it in and taking it in and and giving it giving it your attention and giving it your attention because that's that's how it starts, and then. Um, in the practice of the course, we do drop down uh, and face the ring of fear and and of, and the ego freaks a bit even as we get close to the ring of fear uh, because then it will start pointing back up to the surface, like you know how are you going to survive and and you 're not doing enough and it 's quite ec- expert and quite clever at uh, trying to point to the world and say, well of course you 're f- afraid because look at look at there, look over there, look there, look there." And and yet you're I think you're right on track because you have a permission or an allowance right now. You're giving your mind permission to drop down. Things have fallen away because you're in one sense consolidating your attention and consolidating your focus inwardly, which you know, there's even a, a section in the course, the fear to look within. Um and, and you're going within, you're dropping in towards that ring of fear. So, thank you for sharing that, uh, and again for making everybody aware of that, because along with not forcing anything, you also are bringing in this piece of the puzzle called allowance or permission, where, you know, it's not something that the programming and conditioning that we grew up with didn't have anything for this part. Mm. Uh, We weren't prepared to go inside and face a ring of fear. Nobody told us uh, the, nobody in our families or businesses typically tell us, "Well, eventually you'll have to face the ring of fear." They talk of midlife crisis, and they, you know, they've got a name for something on the surface, but but you're actually articulating, uh, you know, that this this is the part of the journey. And I had said that uh, four of the uh, the six. Um, stages of the development of trust are difficult, and so you're giving credence to that, saying, yeah, well, it's true when things start to fall away, don't, don't be disturbed. Uh, Stay with it, and and allow yourself to move through this. So, thank you for for sharing that. It's like we're all getting bits and pieces of the whole journey here. Uh, So, none of us will be shocked or surprised uh, when those those things come into our awareness. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay.
2: Next in the list is Joni. Go ahead, Joanie.
4: Oh, okay. I, I hope that I won't have a call. Uh, what I expect at this moment is a lot of sadness And I don't know how to cope with it because it's every day at this moment. I don't know even the question because a lot is answered yet. But that sadness—it started with. the song of Lilo, and it won't stop, mm. it's coming, and it's coming, and I don't know how to cope with it. I want to share this. Mm. <sighs>
6: Can you
2: hear me? Yes, we we can. can. We're just looking at your question, too. We
0: we also read your prayer that you sent in uh, before the retreat. And it was, please, Holy Spirit, may I experience that love is safe, all fears may be shined away by the light, and let me feel I am never alone. Thank you. Amen. And I think that that is the prayer. Because uh, when there's a sense of, of aloneness, or facing something alone, then there's a heaviness. Uh, it's almost like when you're sad, you're sad for the whole world. It's not like a personal kind of sadness. And and I can share that I went through those phases too. I, I uh, started, I think, in uh, in my late teens, when uh, I started to feel this deep sadness, but it went on into my twenties, and I felt like my tears became like the Niagara Falls. Uh, and I, I did question. I said, "Is something really wrong with me? Am I, am I depressed to feel this sad for this long?" But it was. It went on for years. Of the tears came, and uh, I did have a dog, uh, Chipper, who. Uh, I could go in my basement and just sit on the couch and and cry for actually many hours, for many days and this went on for years and Chipper was always greeting me. Uh, it, it wasn't like humans where they see the tears and they go, what's wrong? Uh, I would see this wagging tail and this body that was just so full of joy that it was almost like that was Chipper's function to help me go through this huge sadness and then these I would sit on the couch, Chipper would jump on my lap, and then the pink tongue treatment uh, goes well with the tears, because I had these, this pink tongue slurping away uh, year after year, actually. And um, I do see that as essential, that that's that is part of, of getting your mind into a place of readiness to heal. Um, because there's been so much denial and so much repression. That's what the whole unconscious mind is about, and then when you say enough of that, I'll do anything to heal, then it's kind of like you go on a bit of, uh, I think, sadness and crying autopilot, where there's so much uh, that has to come up, and has to wash through, uh, before you're ready to move on to to the next steps of your function. So, yeah, just like with with marguerite, uh, I think you 're just showing us again the allowance that you have to have, and also to not try to categorize it or figure it out or think as the world 's always trying to diagnose and to uh, find out what 's wrong it 's based the entire model is based on uh, dis mental and physical disease, and categorizing it and trying to label it and oftentimes giving drugs and all kinds of things that don't really help at all. Uh, and so you're just showing us all, all too that you just have to give yourself full permission. And yeah, we feel your prayer. That's, you, you wrote in with a prayer, not with really a question, but with uh, a prayer. So we join you in that prayer and all of us join together with you in, in that prayer because it's very important that you go through this. Thank you.
2: Maybe in, before Jeff picks another one, because it, it feels like this is a a, va- a vein. Mm-hmm. Marguerite, and now Joni Roberts. Roberts, yeah, had a similar theme. I don't yes. know if Robert is still here, but yeah, he he started out. Maybe is Robert here? We find out. A, he said, "I've had so much fear for so long—three months, approximately. Sometimes I'm challenged to focus when the fear is especially intense." You may I mention his last name if they can find Robert him. Williams? Robert Williams. I like this next line. Rarely do I have fear at bedtime, and I put it down to the Holy Spirit helping a 74-year-old. <laughs> like <laughs> almost like just enough to handle and then a nice restful sleep. I've asked Holy Spirit to help with everything I do and at times I get clear answers that are awesome and other times I'm uncertain. Um, nothing resonates right now to get of more of love's presence but to sit back and trust as the body's eyes slowly fail and that is not easy. I believe without this fear I would not be motivated enough. My intense love of love together with beyond beautiful memories of oneness experiences, see me through. So that's all I got. So I, I don't know if it was much of a question, but no Robert in the room. tech issues. What's
7: that?
0: He had tech issues. He had tech issues, okay. Maybe he'll see the recording. <laughs> we can talk about, this does fit in with the, the, the previous two in the sense of, um, this one's more bringing in a sense of physical symptoms. So it's in, in this particular question from, from Robert from California, he's, he's experiencing I think the same intense fear but it's the sense of, of when it's projected onto the body in the form of a symptom that that is one of the ego's biggest tricks of, of reinforcing the fear. Because the definition, if the body is you believe to be your home and if your home starts to have symptoms, it's no different than having a house where the gutters start falling off, the shingles start blowing off, uh, you notice some cracks in the ceiling and, and the water starts to come in and then you start to think, my home is, uh, is falling apart. That's how people feel with these body symptoms. And he's saying he's, he's 70 years old, he's talking about glaucoma, he's talking about upcoming glaucoma, eye surgery, and um, and this even fits in with what we talked about where, for example, when you've been identified as a person or a body and you start to lose the abilities with, with your eyes, um, This can stir up this feeling of lack and loss. Uh, It can stir up the fear of death, the fear of pain, the fear of suffering. And then this is where those deeper metaphysics from the Course are very helpful, where Jesus tells us in the workbook, the body's eyes don't see, and the body's ears don't hear. You know, Jesus is teaching us that the five senses is part of the ego's trap and definition and on one hand you could say well there's a fear of loss of eyesight and then Jesus is coming in saying your eyes have never seen uh it's kind of like that scene in the matrix when when uh neo goes he's on the the bo- on the table getting all this yeah. reconstruction and he says my eyes hurt and uh Perfect. and Morpheus says, you've never used them before. Uh, in one sense, it's how the Spirit has to reach us when we have fear of loss projected onto the body. And, and Jesus is saying, the loss isn't really related to the body at all. Because you never, you never were a body. Uh, you've had a hallucination, you've had an amnesia, you forgot that you're spirit, and then you've taken on this false belief of separation, and then you've used the body as a false sense of identity and home, and you believe you've been operating out of a body, and it's all part of a hallucination, and you even now believe that your eyes see, and that your ears hear, and he's saying, no, that's never been true either. That's another false belief in association. So. I think that's the gift that Robert's giving us, even though he's got technical difficulties. Uh, his, his very question, um, not only around the body, but I think he did mention his, uh, his daughters. Yeah. So there's a bit of the family yeah. uh, self-concept in there too.
2: I really liked his line where he said, I thought about how I can get more of love's presence. Nothing resonates, but sit, sit back and trust. Like he's just giving permission too. But what do you think about this line? I believe without this fear, I would not be motivated enough. Does fear, like when you hit this ring of fear, is that a quickening, a motivation to go deeper? Because it's usually mastery through love. But maybe, what do you see? Yeah, fear.
0: That? Ultimately, that's a common idea in the world that that fear is a motivator. You know, people say, yeah, when I'm really afraid, then I'll go out and try to get a job, or when there's very little money in my bank account, and I get really afraid for my survival out that motivates me to take action and so forth but But once we look at at everything as a thought, and there 's only two thought systems in our split mind the ego and it's fear guilt pain shame and and the love and joy and happiness that actually uh, that 's a big turnaround, too. We do have to make a flip in our mind to be motivated by the love. We have to be drawn toward the light instead of uh, fearing that the darkness will get us in some way that 's still part of a misidentification. So people say, "How does that work uh, and would the holy spirit would the Holy Spirit ever bring fear into awareness and the Holy Spirit will teach through contrast experiences at times. If you're so addicted and, de- and devoted to fear, and you believe that fear is the reality, then the Holy Spirit's going to have to use some contrast experiences to show you that that's not so. Mm. But those are all very preliminary, those are more at the beginning. The more you become a happy learner and start to learn the happy, joyous lessons of the Holy Spirit, then you advance more quickly, and you're motivated by the love, and you're motivated by the joy, and then the fear ceases to become uh, a factor, as you move more toward the light, and, and get into that... Uh, uh, you can almost say it's voluntary, you, you, you voluntarily give yourself over and say, Oh, I, I, I see that I would rather learn the happy lessons of joy than, than to learn, I don't need those contrasts anymore. And that's just an advancement in in the curriculum, but you do have to go through the ring of fear,
2: yeah, and then you start
0: feeling the love and the love pulls you. yeah you Crickle do have to and- to approach and allow yourself to to expose and to allow and to release what was pushed down, what was protected, mm-hmm. what was hidden, so yeah. That's, I think that's where, where Robert is at in terms of that question. Yeah, It's, it's mm. again to an allowance and not to be tempted to project it to the body or to mm. the age. Because mm. the ring of fear doesn't have anything to do with the body or age. It's there in the mind and it has to be, you might say, you have to move through it, through the darkness to the light. Mm. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. And then I think, Rich, I touched, Rich Lesbiza from uh, California, I think I just in passing touched on uh, what you wrote in, and um, I, was, I was glancing at that, Rich, I was glancing at what you wrote in today, and um, also you were talking about uh, the audio readings, where I, I read a section from the audio, the text, and then um, and then I will move into a lesson, and uh, you were uh, talking about, your question comes from me reading a section of the text from chapter six, to have peace, teach peace to learn it. And then um, within this section we find the following, uh, the first lesson I mentioned, and, and I think you interjected on there actually a workbook lesson, but actually that, that chapter 6 section, when it's saying the first lesson, it's actually referring to the first of three lessons of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so when it's referring to the first lesson, it's actually referring to have, give all to all. Uh, and and you 're going to refer that it does have a contradiction to to human beings that seems to be a very contradictory uh first lesson of the Holy Spirit of those three to have give all to all for most people they 'd say yeah that's that 's a good way to reach poverty uh, in a hurry uh, just use jesus 's first lesson of the Holy Spirit and give all to all, and then you 'll be you 'll be on the streets uh uh, who is that? Uh, the Russian uh, teacher that, that I always quote. Um, oh yeah, remember that guy? Che- no, it wasn't Chekhov. There's the Tolstoy. Tolstoy. Yeah, that was Tolstoy. He he uh, he gave away all his possessions because of all the poverty in Russia, and uh, he felt so bad for the peasants that he gave all away his his, his possessions, and then he felt terrible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he, he There's helped. a movie
0: about that, too. <laughs> right. I think then he got into Gandhi, which is good because that <laughs> Gandhi's a good a good one to link into uh, for Tolstoy. But anyway, the first lesson, which I'll put in there, is to have give all to all. Uh, seems to contain a contradiction since it is being learned by a conflicted mind. This means conflicting motivation. And so, the lesson cannot be learned consistently as yet. Further, the mind of the learner projects its own conflict and thus does not perceive consistency in the minds of others, making him suspicious of their motivation. This is the real reason why, in many respects, the first lesson is the hardest to learn. Still strongly aware of the ego in yourself and responding primarily to the ego in others. You are being taught to react to both as if what you do believe is not true. So uh, that's the start of your question and and I want to take a moment to, to say that that when the mind is so addicted to the ego and it so believes in that lack Fear, poverty, scarcity, conflicts, uh, guilt, shame, pain—all that. Then, when the Holy Spirit has introduces a new way of thinking, that first lesson is bound to be perceived as as very conflictual. And and even that to have give all to all, there are people that say, "Yeah, give give to the poor and be generous." And then you'll hear people say, "Well," don't be too generous uh, or you're going to be in a bad state yourself if you if you would give all that you have, according to the ego's definition, uh, to everyone, to all, that the ego would say you will have nothing left uh, and you will be bereft of that. And yet, it is just the introduction to start to learn true generosity, which is more... The Beatitudes, giving that state of mind, that loving acceptance, that, that happiness, that peace. And ideas are strengthened as they're shared, so this is really saying, if you learn to give all to all, and you may have some reactions and, uh, to, the, to the lesson initially, but you will start to open up to true giving. And uh, Or as people say, the, that's what the world is for, is for giving, in, in the truest way of giving as God gives. And then you bring up uh, a topic that, uh, this one would really fit in Jason's uh, From the Bottom Up, which oh, yeah. uh, has been on a hiatus for a while, but Jason could maybe as early as this coming Saturday uh, be uh, starting his next episode of From the Bottom Up. You said, uh, what comes to mind is Marianne Williamson's bid for the presidency of the United States of America. She is very eloquent in her points, policies, ideas, and agenda. And she really is so impressive as public speaker and a candidate for this quote role. So my questions are, is, is she missing the fundamental point of A Course in Miracles? Again, we talked early on, I mentioned just about that idea of it's dangerous to analyze the role, the, the motives of others just because you can't even do that without activating the ego in the mind and which is not really the goal. Uh, the second one was, does she really know what is in the best interest of the United States and the planet as a whole? Again, if we use the Byron Katie and we turn it around, you know, it you could just say in a helpful way, hmm, do I know uh, what is in the best interest of the United States <laughs> and of the planet as a whole? If we, no if we turn it around like Byron Katie says. Three is, am I using my ego to see hers? Well, it, 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 if, if anytime we analyze the motives of others, we we have activated the ego and we're looking through the ego's filter and therefore... We're on the ego's uh, turf because we've taken a step into trying to figure something out about the world. Whether it's a brother, a sister, the world or anything that's turned ourselves away from, from looking at our mind and and looking to the screen. And it would kind of like be going to a movie and starting to, instead of even looking and feeling your feelings, and looking at your perceptions during the movie instead of saying, oh, I like that actor, and I, I Oh, I, I love that role that they played in and uh, and and just talking about the movie as if it's a reality and reacting and responding to the characters is a very similar thing to this ego trap of, of analyzing the motives of, of anybody. It's, it's, it's very similar. In fact, when I in the early days of movie watching, I actually had like a, a a prepared sheet of two or three pages where I would use course quotes, and I would meet with people to watch movies. But we would go over these three pages because people were so used to using movies only for entertainment and to talking during the movies. Oh, I like that's my favorite actor, or Oh, I was there. I was at Venice. That's done a speech in California. And oh, I oh, run, get away from him, get away, you know, as their reaction to the movie. And I, so I would have like three pages and say, now let's, let's watch the movie with a new purpose. And I know this is going to be radical. Hey, David, I just want to have some fun. I just want to watch the movie. I know, I know. But that, I've got, oh, you and your Course in Miracles. So, so I would kind of go through my pages and they'd go, I'll try, but I'm not going to stuff my emotions, and I'm not going to pretend to be somebody I'm not. I'm going to watch this movie. I said, yes, we're going to watch the movie. So these were the <laughs> early days, the very early days of doing movie gatherings in living rooms with the neighbors. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's right. So some of you have seen, it's, it's come a long way from those early days, but... And then the last one was very good. What does the Holy Spirit tell you on this subject? And so I think Jason and Michael and I want to use your question, because I think it's, it's a very deep question um, into the core teachings of the Course, which, is, which are telling us to not to bring the truth into the illusion, and are teaching us to use everything uh, in terms of the transformation of our consciousness to come to peace of mind, to, to come to alignment with Source, with God. And, um, and, and this is kind of a striking thing, it's almost like a beautiful example of, of a way to take a question where you seem to have somebody who's known as A Course in Miracles author, and teacher, uh, lecturer, um, She's even been a minister, Um, She ran for Congress uh, out in California uh, and so on and so forth. And then you have these deep teachings and then really I think your question is, let's get deeper into the practical application of, of what is the Course really asking of us. And even that prayer at the beginning of the book on page 24 in the first edition or 28 in the I think it was 2nd, 3rd, other editions is, um, I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent Him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do, for He who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever He wishes, knowing He goes there with me, and I will be healed as I let Him teach me to heal. And the key in that whole beautiful prayer is truly helpful. So, I could say initially, in response to your question, that atonement works at all levels. Ultimately, there aren't multiple levels, uh, and ultimately, we're more uh, tuned into spirit, and we're coming to, to healing faster when we start to just look at uh, wrong-mindedness versus right-mindedness, and and get clear on that causation uh, teachings that I'm talking about. That will take. You rapidly into peace of mind as you get into that, but that's that's very. Uh, it takes a lot of discernment to come come into that. That's that's very high level mind training. What we could talk about in terms of the levels of the world, like the interpersonal and the psychic and the community level, or the the national level or the global level. Uh, If we presume that there were such levels for a moment, um, we could definitely say that atonement is working at all levels. So there is a helpfulness uh, to that. And and I do have people that actually write to me and they say, I was introduced to the Course through Marianne Williamson's book, even on this weekend retreat, uh, Return to Love, uh, and some of her books. they're very grateful for that, or seeing her on Oprah. I think Lisa uh, search, was watching Oprah where she had Marianne Williamson on and, and Lisa Fair was like glued to the TV like, oh my gosh, what, where are these ideas from? They just seem like from, from beyond this world. And so there's a huge amount of gratitude and those are examples of kind of the, the atonement principle working at all levels, on Oprah, and, and so on and so forth. I think the other aspect of it is that when you look at that, then you realize that it always is a question of guidance. So based on belief and, and where the mind is in terms of its belief system, the Holy Spirit has to work through that belief system in order to help change the mind. So there are components of the Plan of Awakening that will all actually involve an action component. But it starts with the, like a, a prompt or a guidance coming through of the, the ego's belief system. And what I mean by that is, the ego's belief system is that there is an external world. The ego is saying there's you, a human being, among other human beings, and then there is a a, an external world of time and space that the ego says is very real and, and is very important. And, and you have to uh, navigate it and you have to make decisions uh, involving that external world and so forth. And that's the baseline uh, for anyone who practices the Course. Is that there's just a belief in an external world but you're asked to look at your thoughts and your beliefs, your emotions, your perceptions of that world. To allow yourself to be convinced that the problem not only is not in this external world, but it actually has already been solved. Uh, And that's the way back to heaven, to see that actually, truly, factually, you don't have any problems because the Holy Spirit has already solved all the problems. And the one problem you had was the belief that you could separate from God, or from source. So, we could say that that everyone is doing the best that they can, based on their belief system. And I found that uh, very, very helpful, even as I was going through the early days of the Course, and my own healing with my biological family, uh, my biological father. Um, I guess I... I had held on to grievances and wished he could have been a better father. I think he wished I could have been a better son. Uh, we we both had a lot of projections on the other uh, needing to be different, or sh- should have been different, uh, could have been different. And then when I came into this realization that atonement works at all levels, and that everybody's just acting out, uh, Based on what they believe, there's something comforting to that. Where I started to go, oh, okay, so, so it's really about facing the thoughts and beliefs and and emotions in my mind, and using those emotions to to get in touch and to heal. That's really what the the central healing is all about. And anytime I'm looking to somebody else to change or be different, I'm simply not acknowledging that that atonement is working on all levels, that it's all working out for the greater good. And that's just a temptation, very much of an egoic temptation to to look out and even with the course book or course teachers, uh, oh I wish they would do more of this or less of this and I mean, I've, you wouldn't believe all the stories I've heard, actually, over the years, because uh, one time I was out traveling and teaching, and, and this guy came to me and uh, and said uh, that his mission was to get A Course in Miracles into the Pope's hands in Rome. And uh, I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, and I got close. He said, one year I got, I got within like 20 feet of Pope John Paul. I had the course book in my hand, I was only like 15-20 feet away, and I was going to go up and I was going to present, it was a big crowd, and I was going to present him with the course book, so so the Pope could have the course. And I said, well what happened? And he said, well, he got shot. Right when I got within 20 feet of him, uh, he got shot and the security came and everything was locked down and he said, I failed uh, to actually get the book into Pope John Paul's hands because it was a assassination attempt. He didn't die at that time, but he he did get shot. Somebody else told me over the years, they they told me that their mission was to get to sneak the course into the Vatican uh, Library that somehow they would get the course among all the books over there in Rome in the Vatican Library there. And I said, really? And, and, and then I think at some point they wrote to me, they said, they, they did succeed at successfully getting the course into the Vatican Library. What I, I give these examples is because these are still examples of thinking that there's going to be some action or event or thing in the world that will bring about a huge um, awakening. It will bring about the Great Awakening. Almost thinking like, if, if I can get the Course Book in the hands of a powerful spiritual figure, or in the Vatican, you know, the Catholic Church needs a good dose of A Course in Miracles or something. These are very similar to looking to change the world based on, on politics. Uh, on getting different people elected, and and it's it's just another version of the same same thing, where the course is teaching us teach uh, seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. That's a very profound teaching, and I'm not sure if, if everyone can really see the full impact of seek not to change the world, you know. Because if anyone could get the full impact of seek not to change the world, that would alter the perception of the world in a huge way. You would come immediately into an acceptance. You would come immediately into this high, high state of mind. Uh, All things work together for good. There are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. you know, the, these high ideas and this high state of mind really show us that the world is like a veil, and it's all past, and that it has no hope of correction. Um, but, if it has no hope of correction, what would that do to the weight loss industry? What would that do to the, to the, uh, the dream of having uh, your own house? And your and you're, you know all kinds of dreams of of making even in a personal sense personal dreams it would it would change all the uh, the the a lot of the romantic love songs would suddenly have a new meaning all of the aspirations manifesting even. Uh, you know, the, the miracles of manifesting, and that's a huge industry now, as you'd probably know. You live in California, so you know what I'm talking about. It's a massive industry now, manifesting, and yet, if the mind could grasp, seek not to change the world, then it would see at once that, that there is no, no such thing as manifesting, because everything is mind and there is nothing but mind, and there's nothing but the mind of God, and, and, and the will of God. So, so there are all these steps, and, and I think it is very good that you're bringing this up on this online retreat, because, sincerely, for the mind that is calling for this deep sense of peace, and this deep sense of happiness and joy that, that is constant, you do have to give yourself over to the practical application of the teachings and for those that are ready uh, this will be the most natural thing to give themselves over and go, wow if this is really true what it's saying then everything is not what I thought it was and I'm open to being shown what's real and true. There is a sentence in the Course that says, this Course will be believed entirely or not at all. So there is a strong (laughs) teaching from the Course that's basically saying, please go all the way with this. Please go for the Atonement. Go for Enlightenment, Self-Realization. And also there are a lot of metaphors in the Course that seem to imply that the separation occurred over millions of years and the The reparation could take millions or even longer. So there's a lot of different metaphors in there. But ultimately the Course is just a symbol of the mind's desire. And those, I would call them, deeper aspects of what the Course is really calling for only leap off the page, only come at you when you're ready for them. Uh, When you're ready to see that that there's just one mind and there's just... It, how many teachers of God does it take to to heal the world or save the world? One. But that one is not a body or in a body. It's truly speaking of, of, of a mind, a divine mind. Then those answers leap out and you go, Oh, that's it. That's always been it. But until the mind is ready, then it can seem to a mind that is still conflicted that we you were talking about from the reading it seems too big of a leap to to see overlook poverty overlook abuse overlook injustice there as long as the mind believes there is a reality there's an actual reality to separation then metaphysics can be tremendously threatening, uh, pure, undivided love, you know, unconditional love is tremendously threatening, and the mind, when it is threatened by this vast love, will revert to compromises. And there are many compromises the ego offers, including compromises in terms of relationships, and in terms of Um, politics and in many arenas, uh, these are areas of compromise. Even in this world, if you went to somebody who was really adept at politics, and you said, uh, do politics involve compromise? They would probably say, hopefully. (laughs) They would say, you know, oh that's that politics at at its best involves compromise. When it becomes partisan, it's, it's chaos, it's, it's, it's absolute chaos. When it, when it becomes civil and uh, genteel again, it, it doesn't involve compromise. Then you come back to the Course and Jesus says, salvation is no compromise of any kind. You know, compromise is not part of the plan of awakening, but it is part of the, the ego's um, constructions. It's, it's very much a part of it. Now I'll tell you for me, the thing that was most impactful was I was watching this early, early Course in Miracles movie that was made, I think, in the 1970s. And uh maybe late 70s or somewhere around in there. And it had all these different people speaking from many different um professions. There was there was a marine biologist in there, there was, there was people from the government, there was a speechwriter for uh, the president, or a couple presidents, uh, Milton Friedman. There was a lot of things. And I remember in that particular movie, there was a man named William Whitson, who actually was married to Judy Scutch, the publisher of the course. And I had the honor of actually meeting with uh, as he 's affectionately called uh, a number of times before he passed away, and uh, he is a man of such dignity and respect and a, a civil servant who had actually worked in the government in the United States government for quite a quite a lot of years so when we would meet and talk, he would say, "Oh yeah, and he would talk about he would talk about uh, Nixon. He would talk about uh, presidents and congressmen and and people in the government because he knew them. He he worked with them. These were like his family, government officials, and uh, he he also was uh, was a representative of I think a UN ambassador to China among many other uh, positions that he held, and he was also in the, in the defense. Uh, department for a while and so on and so forth. So here was a career political man, a a career government man who got a hold of A Course in Miracles and in the movie this very respected government man says the line from the course that impacted him the most was, seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. And he went from being right inside the United States government and knowing it like the back of his hand, to taking on, working the Course and going through this transformation of consciousness that allowed him to actually get to a point where he started to devote his life to the Course. He, I've mentioned different times, he went to China, he was there for Mao tongues funeral. He he was diagnosed with cancer. He was taken off uh, to the mountains and he went through a remission, came back, and after he prayed to Jesus, if there's anything I can do for you, Jesus, I'm your man. Jesus brings him back. He marries Judy Scutch and he oversees the translation of the Course into 20-some languages before he passes away. To me, this example of wit's life is exactly what I mean by it's a reinterpretation of the symbols. That Jesus used his mind and wit in service of the whole plan of awakening. And it was wit himself who had said, seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. That that got him to move on from the political realm of concepts into the mind realm of devoting himself to his entire life's work with A Course in Miracles, at changing his mind, as his good friend Bill Thedford had done, changing his mind about his mind. So to me, that impacted me. If anybody had said, seek not to change the world, I would have thought, hmm, interesting idea. But when William Whitson said, (laughs) a government, a devoted man of trying to make the world a better place in, in, for decades, when that man said to me through that movie, seek not to change the world, that really impacted me. I was like, oh my God! That, and then I heard Milton Friedman, a speechwriter for the President of the United States, and he's practicing the Course in Miracles and looking at his emotions and looking at his perceptions. That movie That short movie greatly impacted my journey because I was like, wow, that is amazing. Coming from people that are in the government, practicing the Course, and actually starting to have transformations, miraculous transformations, and outgrowing, beginning to outgrow the self-concept of change the external world to make a better world for everyone and come to clear your mind and your consciousness and free your mind from judgment and judge not, and then the world is saved. Because the world's not outside of you, the world is is inside of you. So so I'm glad you uh, wrote this question because um, with seemingly 2020 being an election year, with Mary being in the race in the, as a Democratic candidate for president, these things are going to come up for uh, Course of Miracles students and, and teachers around the world. And your question is like a, a gift in that it's it's meant to bring in some wisdom to the whole uh, topic. And, uh, and people will do what they're guided to do. Everybody's doing the best that they can, but based on what they believe. And, and there's something beautiful about just accepting that and saying uh, I cheer everyone on in the world because everyone's doing the best that they can based on on what they believe. So, I don't know, we got Jason, Michael, if anybody... That's kind of a classic question.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, it is a very good question. I, um, the only use I find of politics is is really just practicing the course. It's actually a very good... Uh, it can be a good trigger, I found. And so it's just the only time I look at the news or look at politics is when I'm guided to. And if there's a trigger there, if there's something that uh, that I'm triggered, I just want to see that differently. I really want to hand that over to the spirit. So that's the helpfulness of politics in my mind. And, uh, you know, even if it is, you know, like in a practical situation, uh, if you've got to come to vote, then really just asking the Holy Spirit, am I meant to vote? Who am I meant to vote for? So it's only ever really applying the course. That's all we ever want to do, undo this self-concept and and apply and ask for the guidance. Spirit, what would you have me do now? So that's what I find. And, you know, same as the, the Facebook feed, sometimes I see something about a, a Trump thing, you know, a good or seemingly good or bad thing. And just seeing if i got a reaction to any of it you know that's that's a generous trigger as i see it i just want to give it over to the spirit and say wow i just want to see this differently by seeing it all the same if you like it's just part of the world i don't want to engage in the world in any way world affairs you know thinking that uh, a marianne williamson is better than a trump that's just getting caught up in the world wanting to change the world you know thinking that there is anything as a president (laughs) uh, or a country these are the things I. You know, practically used to give over to the spirit. Say, look, I really want to come into my true function. The uh, the awareness of dreaming is what I want to come into. And if I'm engaging in any of it, wow, I want to see that as soon as I possibly can. And I want to change my mind about that. You know, with the spirit's guidance. So. Beautiful, yeah.
0: beautiful. That I think you're addressing this uh, belief that that people. From the ego's perspective, people are people, people have private minds of their own, with private thoughts. And even from the ego's perspective of, of, of multiple minds, and multiple thoughts, and multiple choices and decisions, um, really it comes down to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in terms of what would be most helpful. And I think if you come, again, you can only come from what you believe in. And when you pray to the Holy Spirit, that guidance has to trickle through that that belief system and can seem to come out as an action. And and the whole point, though, is to take these teachings as deeply as you're ready and willing to go uh, and to have a, a purification that is within, a purification of the... Of the consciousness, of purification of mind, and that's what Jesus taught us uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. That's that's a very high high goal to go for purity, uh, and yet one of the big advances in spirituality is once you begin to start to understand that that there aren't saints and sinners in the world. There aren't these glorious saints and these uh, tyrants that you start to realize that if, uh, as Gandhi said, um, if there is such a thing as evil, Gandhi said, it's just swimming around in our own hearts. Um, Which is a beautiful teaching in not projecting the error to the world. Not saying, well, the world is has evil because of evil people. There aren't evil people and good people. It's It's an error lens, an egoic error lens, which is looking through a darkened glass, like it talks about Corinthians in the Bible, and then projecting that motive of error or of wrongness to, or of evil to people, and tagging them as if Those are the the villains, and then there are these other saintly ones. That's like taking the good and projecting it out as if the good, which is spirit, is in certain people but not in others. It can seem Mm -hmm. that way to the sleeping mind, but actually we're here to go through a purification of learning that what we thought was was good and bad is also part uh, of a judgmental system that's blocking us from Christ's vision, from, from the light, from the light of God, from the vision of Christ. So that's beautiful that we have this context to talk about openly because these are the kind of questions that many, many sincere Christians and Jews and Buddhists and, and, and Course in Miracles students and teachers are having. Like They want clarity. They want to really understand, is there such a thing as evil? Uh, the Course is teaching us it's, it's, it's error, it's ego, but it's already been corrected and it's teaching us to accept this beautiful non-dual correction and uh, that's why. I might have some people joining me on my non-dual fest <laughs> as we <laughs> approach Easter. <laughs> beautiful. Well, thank you, Rich. You, your question has been uh, has been glorious. And maybe, Rich, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share? Because you, you poured your heart out in those, with those original questions and uh, just where you're at right now with all of that.
8: Yeah, I have something to say. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was a while ago, even when I, when I shared it with you, or with Helena. I uh, said, so this is a little bit early, but I'll share it anyways. And since then, I've had beautiful experiences in terms of uh, awakening, I guess you could say, or um, I was working on one of the lessons the other day, and it was God is the light in which I see. And so I was really, you know, meditating with that and resting on that. And then I saw this, uh, you know, light wasn't coming in, into my field of vision, but I was still, you know, concentrating on that. And so then it was almost like the Holy Spirit gave me a message through another individual through this video. And what I saw was this this well-intentioned person, and it kind of taps on some of the things you've said. He's preoccupied with the planet and global warming and, you know, building a better planet. But then he sort of brought the conversation around and it was very powerful for me. And it, it was, it brought us back to the kingdom of heaven, really, in my opinion. And I'll explain. Um, he said, uh, he, in America and the United States, in our culture where we really kind of have a fear of death, we avoid death, when the body dies and and we we try to hide that, so a lot of us have this perception that when you die that's an endpoint and He said his experience as a physician in the he worked in the i c u and he got to see a lot of that, so he became acclimated to that, and he saw the same thing happening over and over, and that was uh, people were saying the same things about their near-death experiences, if he was able to bring them back. But they usually weren't able to bring them back. They only were able to bring back 6% of the people who had flatlined. In other words, 94% of the people didn't survive. But he had one unique evening, or or 36-hour shift, where he had three patients that flatlined, and then he brought them back. And he thought, that's wonderful. But they all said the exact same thing when he brought them back. And that was, why did you bring me back? <laughs> and then he, he said that sort of deflated him. But it was very interesting. <laughs> these three people that particular night were two, three totally different people. One was a pastor who had 200 people from his congregation come visit him in his final days. And then the other was um, a man who was dying from complications of AIDS. He was ostracized by his community. He had developed pneumonia and that right before he flatlined. And then another person was a person who had birth defects throughout their whole life and their skeleton was caving in them. But three totally different people. But they all came back with the same exact message. Why did you bring me back? And then in the hours preceding that, they all said they went into this place of pure white light, and they'd never felt so fully accepted and loved ever in their existence and so the reason i brought that up is because he, as that physician described everything that he just even he admitted everything i just talked about about the earth and everything is myopic in comparison to this and what was beautiful about that is that is 100 percent completely in line with everything you've taught me david about heaven In the kingdom of heaven, and it just was such a great reassurance and a great symbol for me, so
1: thank
0: you. Thank you Rich, thanks for forwarding that, because I actually watched that same uh, video and I and I spoke on, uh, I believe it was uh, Calico's uh, Rethinking Sickness, and I actually shared everything that you had just shared, and also this sense that he said, what if we are always loved, always accepted and and we actually have just got it all backwards uh we're thinking that death is this thing to be feared, and it involves loss and all these and what if we're in every move we ever make in everything we ever do, we're totally loved and accepted by this light that that the true essence of what's real is this love and light, and that it's only believing in these bodies and this world and everything, that that's where the, it seems that death is to be feared. So I, I thank you for forwarding that and, and posting that on Facebook, because then I, I spoke about it in the Rethinking Sickness group uh, that Calico was doing, and yeah, so the gift kept on giving and extending in that way. We, we joined and collaborated in that one. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Well, we have reached the time. I think already that that is fast. These hours slip by so quickly. And uh, but for this last moment, just I just want to share all this love and gratitude for 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 all of you to join and to spend this time together and and to join digitally like this, which is. Uh, most amazing for me to see your faces and to see you know you wearing your emotions right on your face throughout that 's part of what I love it. I can look up and like i 'm looking around a room uh, where I have uh, little binoculars I can see all the faces uh, and also um, we have we 're in this beautiful new studio and um, Jason actually has uh, some some programs and shows coming up Maybe you want to just share because it's you've kind of been on a bit of a hiatus Since maybe in January, right? So we're starting to gear up now towards uh, towards some of those shows
2: Yeah, I'd said it was for tomorrow. We were gonna start but the studio team's not ready yet, so looks like it'll be next Monday for the morning show but and we're in prayer about Saturday, so Right now, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a week from now, and then uh, it's gonna. We'll have to get more clear. I don't want to say anything and have to re- retract. But I think Monday, and um, David and I might just join this week and see if we're ready for something this Saturday or not. But I also wanted to say, like he means it when he says he loves these digital shows, because right before we came on here, he's got this invite to go do a conference in Germany. And he's like, "Well, if I have a choice between a conference, with hundreds of people in Germany, or this intimate group where we can go really deep, I think I'll choose this conference because it's the same time as our next online retreat. So if he gets good internet, you'll be <laughs>
0: joining us for that instead <laughs> in of June. This. That's in June. June, not May. Okay. Yeah, in June. But actually, um, if you really enjoy this kind of interactivity and and this kind of uh, reflection and witness in your life. Uh, Jason's show, I think, will be starting, maybe starting off on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays at 9 a.m. Mountain, mountain Time. Mountain. Mornings with Jason. Get your cup of coffee, or your bowl of cereal, and if you happen to have... Uh, that's 9 Mountain Time, so I think that's a little bit later on the, on the East Coast. That's probably around 11, 11 a.m. But if you're on the West Coast, that's 8 a.m. And I, out in California. You can really have
2: your mornings with Jason. I have to say, it's no pressure for me. I have to keep it like I could do 10 minutes or half an hour to an hour. We could meditate. One time we just sat in front of the fire and meditated. I usually have clips that we just really go into a deep idea of the day and let it carry carry you forward. But I like it very
0: spontaneous. So, Yeah. Yeah. And then the Saturday show is going to be in the evening, but it's it's going to be from the bottom up, which again is from A Course in Miracles, healing, Jesus heals from the bottom up, not from the top down. Uh, it's really about bringing our illusions to the truth. And so that's, any good psychotherapist knows, you know, uh, when you go in to see a psychotherapist for the first time, which some of you have, the psychotherapist doesn't, say, uh, uh, you have no problems, the world's not real, uh, and please pay your $150 to the receptionist. Uh, You know, you go in there and you start to feel a rapport, a trust, and you pour your heart out and you pour your perceived problems out to the psychotherapist sometimes over, over weeks or months or years or whatever and Jason's show is very much based on on taking the perceptions and, uh, and and taking them higher and higher to the light uh, to be shown that the problem that you thought you had you didn't really have, which is healing. So I think that's really beautiful and, and I think it relates to, I see Helen, I see you there, those things you were talking about going through your life, what about uh, vaccinations for the children, uh, what about um, putting my children in daycare where they can learn more self-responsibility? You know, these are all day-to-day decisions that are extremely practical. And so, in one sense, you know, I do see that Jason's show and also what you're talking about, Helena, this, we have to make it very, very practical because the Holy Spirit knows that the sleeping mind believes in specifics and we have to use the specifics to unwind from those very deeply held beliefs. So I, I do feel like, uh, even as we have technological advances, now there's a, a studio, I'm wearing an iWatch, eye, eye uh, there, there are advancing technologies coming. But I think we're going to keep riding this trend of using the practical application to make it so that we can stay in such co- close communication and talk about the things that matter the most on our heart and not feel like we were drawn into uh, things of the world, but actually that we can stay very attentive and clear in our mind to, uh, to go through this this healing together. And I feel like that's the best way, whether it's through phone calls, Skype calls, uh, using come on the show yeah i mean i I loved t- technology i mean i I know in in Brazil, for example, uh, they use whatsapp, they have these big whatsapp groups that have all this huge interactivity that are going on on the whatsapp group, and all I have to do is subscribe and boom i i can, I get all these messages from all my friends and people in in uh, Brazil. I know when I was in China, they had these QQ groups, where they were online groups, where there was a lot of healing going on, a lot of expressing and sharing. But I feel like uh, as we continue to evolve as a ministry, we have we have Spiri, you know, Spiri will keep evolving uh, in a very helpful way. We we would hope, Laverne would hope to have our Spiri be interactive, so you can just voice your problems and issues to Sperry, and spirit can, can work with you in a verbal way, kind of voice recognition way, to take you rapidly down in your mind to a miraculous new way of looking at, at that perception. And um, It's being built right it's now. Being, that. It's being built right now. I, I like the idea of having it tied into a, a watch, so That's easy. imagine having a watch on your wrist, you're going through the day, things are going good. All of a sudden though, you start having some reactions. Your blood pressure increases, your heart starts pounding a little because you you're starting to get angry, we'll say, at, <coughs> at something that's going on. And then suddenly your voice-activated watch goes, uh, "Heika, how are you feeling? <laughs> or fill in the name, you know. Talk about an intervention, uh, a Sperry intervention. How are you feeling? You know, Helena, how are you feeling at this moment? As the kids are screaming, and there's a food fight going on in the the kitchen. How are you feeling, Helena? And then you start to say, I'm a little stressed right now, there's food on my ceiling, and my ceiling fan. And then, Sperry takes you in, to the miracle through a dialogue, like your own spiritual psychotherapist, they're working with you, AI. I call it actualizing intelligence, not artificial intelligence, actualizing intelligence, using the principles of a Course in Miracles and everything we've talked about, so that it monitors how your how your metabolics are going, and when your metabolics start to go away from that calm norm then the it actually reminds you not just of your lesson of the day, but it actually will take you in down into your mind mm-hmm. again, come bring it back was that the song that, that the Slava sang you bring it back to your mind so we're very uh, we're very joined, and we we want to continue on with these online retreats and any kind of uh, advances or ideas we should have like a like a a suggestion box. So if you go through a great retreat like this and you start to get some guided ideas of, that are kind of out of the box, but sound like they may be helpful for you and for the whole universe, then please write to us and let us know and we'll pray on it and see what we can do. Because this is important. Your peace of mind is important. So any last words, Jason, Michael?
1: Yeah, I've got a little, a little couple of lines from the course that just feels like it might wrap this up very nicely. And it's from the Manual for Teachers. We've been talking about wiping the slate clean and letting go of memories and stories and following the Spirit. So Jesus says, As the teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson with increasing thoroughness. He does not make his own decisions, He asks his teacher for his answer and it is this he follows as his guide for action. This becomes easier and easier as the teacher of God learns to give up his own judgment. Hmm. Amen. (laughs) So I just feel very blessed, very blessed being here and being with everyone. It really is, you know, it's like the bodies are falling away and the minds are joined. We, we're experiencing this in this seeming helpful tool, this digital realm. <laughs> and I'm just uh, very grateful to be with you. It's such an honor to be here. And I just thank you. Thank you, David and Jason there in Camus. It's like we're here together. <laughs> it's like, it's, we really are joined. So, And thank you, everyone. It's just been such a joy. And continues to be. <laughs> You're all very much in my heart, so thank, you. Mm. thank you.
0: Thank you. Mm. <laughs> 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 oh, sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> mm. okay.
1: <laughs> and we have an amazing retreat next month actually the theme is already in place prayer is the medium of miracles so that's a beautiful one on prayer So I'm feeling like I might be on that one too
0: <laughs> okay do we have what's our dates that's the first Weekend in uh, hmm? April, five. April 5, 6 and 7. Okay, that's welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Helena. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Until we meet again, mm-hmm. always in our hearts, mm-hmm.
1: always <laughs> in our hearts. Uh, uh, All the smiling faces, it's beautiful.